five, four, three, two, one. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Here we go. It's game time. Welcome to Sports and More, where almost anything goes. Coming to you from the marsh just outside of Edmonton, Alberta, here's your host, Dean Millard. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Nice to be in orbit. I have a hard time believing anyone's going to beat the Lakers or Clippers. I guess, you know, the, the Nuggets are really good. Um, it all, I think it all depends on kind of health, right? Especially in the West. Um, and if if the Lakers are healthy, if the Clippers are healthy, I can't see a situation where, you know, it's not one of those two teams. But um, And I think the Clippers are interesting too because they've had a lot of ups and downs, right? Like they've had, some, they've had a weird season in that they lose to teams that they should probably beat. I don't know. It's nice. I mean, they, they got kind of infighting. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know, guys have called each other out already, right? Mm-hmm. Montrezl Harrell has come out and uh, talked about some of his teammates, and I, I don't think uh, you know they appreciate the, the special treatment Paul George and Kawhi get. I guess, um, but when you look at that roster, that's a roster built for the playoffs. Like they are deep. <laughs> Hello there and welcome to episode 35 of Sports and More, the podcast. Welcome to Podcast Alley. My name is Dean Millard. Thank you very much for downloading this episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on when you are listening. I'm just glad you are. And that was the voice of Nabil Kareem of ESPN. And uh, really uh, looking forward to uh, chat, hearing that conversation or bringing you that conversation rather because uh, we talked a lot about uh, the NBA and uh, we talked about the All-Star game that just happened. Uh, we discussed uh, Kobe Bryant and it's interesting. Uh, Nabil was a part of the Humboldt bus crash tragedy as a part of TSN. Uh, he was on the air that night, as was I on uh, TSN 1260. Uh, so we discussed that and, and you know, how just the, you know, obviously not in the uh, iconic stature of Kobe Bryant, but still human tragedy and um, how you cover those things on the air. We, you know, if you, if you listen to this episode with uh, Ryan Rashog uh, from a few months back, uh, him and I discussed that. But we also chatted about Connor McDavid's image popularity, if you will, uh, in uh, the United States. Uh, so it's a great conversation. And uh, Nabil has a cool career path as well. I always love diving into the uh, the background and uh, things like that uh, of our guests and, uh, you know, finding out their, their path to where they are. And uh, he has uh, a very cool one, as a lot of people do. So we'll bring you the conversation with Nabil Kareem of ESPN, formerly of TSN. And we will also bring you our top three uh, topic today, of course, presented by Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. Fantasy sports are great. We all love them. And now with Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports, it's more realistic than ever. Own one of the only 31 professional fantasy hockey franchises in the world. 23-man rosters, a 27-player reserve list to stockpile for the future. Daily roster moves, a wickedly unique playoff format. And they're not just players 
on your roster. No, they are digital assets. You own these players. You can buy them and sell them. Use digital currency. Build a championship team now or stockpile for the future. There are a few franchises left of the 31 available. Uh, mine is in the mix, uh, and I'm excited about this. I'm in contention for the playoffs already. So if you would like to get your own, you can bid right now at www.airauctioneer.com slash uffsports-nhl-fantasy-franchise-auction. For those of you watching on our YouTube channel, you can see the link right there. You can open up your free account, you can make a bid, and you'll be notified if you are outbid. So you can get your hands on one of these franchises and get in the game. In this format, you own the game, so get in the game with the ultimate franchise fantasy sports. It's a great concept. And our uh, top three topic today is who are the top three NBA contenders coming out of the all-star break? Who are your top three contenders coming to the all-star break for uh, the NBA? Uh, ultimate franchise chipping in saying uh, Raptors, we the North, fear the deer and Clipper Nation. Uh, I'm going with a little bit of a different list, and thank you very much to uh, Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports for chiming in on the top three. Uh, we'll get to some others in a bit. Uh, I'm going, the honorable mention is the Clippers. You heard that clip from Nabil Kareem off the top. Maybe there's something not quite right with the Clippers. I don't know. Uh, can, can Kawhi do it two years in a row? We'll see. That's my honorable mention. I'm not ca counting them out. I'm going the Raptors, number three. Lakers, number two. And I'm going with the Milwaukee Bucks, number one. Um, you know, it's not just an old veteran uh, game anymore. The Greek freak is uh, maturing. I like what the Bucks are doing. So you can get more details uh, for the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports at www.uffsports.com. And you can chime in on our top three by hitting me up on Twitter at Duck Millard. And uh want to tell you about Podcast Alley. Uh, that is the other shows that we have here hosted at Podcast Alley. Um, Nabil Kareem, of course, on uh, this, plus one-timers, which will come out in a couple of days. Jason Greger, previously on Sports and More. Uh, uh, Tyler Remchuk and Playing Pepper from last week on the Prospect Show. Uh, Jamie Thomas is going to join us Monday coming up of Jets TV and Fantasy Baseball. We've got the... Uh, evolving de details of our fantasy baseball league. And uh, John Carl will be joining me on the uh, Cannabis 101 podcast from the Alberta Cannabis Council. That episode will come out uh, tomorrow on Wednesday. Last week's episode with Marcy, Kiz Marcy Kiziak, president of Nova Cannabis and One Hitters, is uh, currently uh, available. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, it's pretty easy. Sportsandmore.ca is the website. Doc Millard on Twitter. Sports and More podcast on Instagram, Sports and More 35 on Facebook, and you can email me, sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. All right, uh, one more thing to tell you about before we get to our interview with Nabil Kareem, and that is that we have an Acme Meat Market trivia contest. A gift card from Acme Meat Market is up for grabs. You can go say hi to Corey, Amanda, and their wonderful staff in the Ritchie Market in Edmonton, 9570 76th Avenue. Check out their website, acmemeatmarket.ca. 
and know that when you're getting something from Corey the Butcher, which is his Twitter handle, uh, you are getting something from one of the best butchers in the world, recently named to Team Canada for the World Butchers Challenge in September 2020. Your hint is first jobs. Think of that as your hint with Nabil Kareem as we get to know him a little bit more with the bio. Time for the bio. Nabil Kareem was born and raised in Vancouver, B.C. He started at Simon Fraser University in criminology, but graduated with a major in communications, then earned a broadcast journalism degree from BCIT. He started his career on a maternity leave replacement in Prince George, B.C. in 2008. He then traveled east to Winnipeg, working with Fox Sports and Global Television for less than a year. In 2010, he landed in Toronto with CBC as a sports anchor and host of Hockey Night in Canada Online. He went national in 2011, joining TSN in Toronto and spent eight years on the SportsCenter desk before joining SportsCenter with an ER at ESPN in May of 2019. Bill, it's a pleasure to welcome you to Sports and More, the podcast. Thanks very much uh, for taking some time with us. How are things right now uh, down in the USA? Things are good, man. Things are good. Um, as I was kind of telling you offline there, I uh, apologize if I do cough during our podcast here. My son is uh, hes a walking germ, man. He's a walking germ. He goes to school here and he's just, he always is sniffling, always is coughing and he got me. He got me yesterday. I got the chills and I woke up 20 minutes before this pod, so let's see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take you anyway. I'm just glad to be able to chat with you. And uh, uh, I, we know you're a big uh, Hoops fan, so let's start with the NBA All-Star yep. game uh, just wrapped up. Obviously, there was a lot of Kobe tributes. Was it just enough, not enough, too much? What did you think of, uh, uh, because you knew it was, and, and you know, David Stern also kind of gets uh, lost in the shuffle a little bit too, but what do you think about the tributes? I, I thought it was appropriate i mean i think uh there's never too much as far as uh what kobe Bryant has done and you know it's really interesting because kobe resonates with people i think on so many different levels um and you can say what you want about him as a person uh nobody's perfect and and i don't want to get into that but um you know when you when you talk about how he resonates uh, resonates with people like for me i would say growing up playing basketball um he was getting, he went from high school to um, to the NBA, uh, and I kind of got to watch his journey, which most people got to do, right? Which is really cool. And then you see him transition uh, into being, you know, such a great father after, um, you know, his, his and he's probably a great father during it, but you know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. Really spending the time with his kids after and focusing his life on them. And I think something what's kind of lost too is some people talk about the chopper. He shouldn't be doing the chopper. Well, if you go back, and Kobe's talked about this for years. The reason he was using the chopper, I think he used it for about 17 years, was because it gave him more time with his kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was able to come home from practice and whatever it was, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and then he could go take his kids to school, pick them up, whatever it was. So um, I, I think he resonates with people as a player. I think he resonates with people as a father because we can all, like, I mean, from a family perspective, we can all um, kind of relate to that. And, and then for me, too, as far as like, a motivational standpoint, like the Mamba mentality to me is, is it's nothing revolutionary, 
because he talks about like goal setting. He talks about perseverance. You know, mm-hmm. he talks about all these sorts of attributes, which again, are not, we talk about these in our daily life. We apply these in our daily life, but he puts them all together and then seeing him excel at what he did. I think that's really motivating. I can't get enough of, you know, some of the interviews that I might've missed over the years. Um, and Kobe just talking about, and he's kind of been more open, I think since he's retired. Um, but it almost felt like Kobe, it didn't feel like Kobe's been like gone from the game for a few years. Right. You know what I mean? Like it feels like Kobe's right there. And, and it's just, I mean, it's still, even when I look at it today, like when we do stuff today, uh, you know, every so often we still have stuff going up on ESPN and, and I still kind of shake my head. It's just so jarring to, to see um, that, you know, Kobe Bryant's not with us anymore, but I think the NBA did, again, did a great job of, um, uh, of honoring him. I think they recognized David Stern, which is great. Um, and at the same time, I think with the change of the rules for the fourth quarter and so forth, I, I wasn't sure about that at first. I, I was like, oh, it's kind of cool with honoring Kobe, but it ended up being great. It worked out really good. And, um, you know, I think that was one of the best all-star games I've seen in a long time. That's what a lot of people are saying is that this was the best all-star game that they can uh, remember. And, you know, Kobe Bryant, I think uh, it, you're right. It, it seems not that long ago I was watching that final game of him taking shot after shot and, you know, as Canadians, we have a, I guess, a, a, a kind of a special connection to Kobe because he lit up the Raptors uh, for, for, was it 81? Yeah. Uh, so um, I, I can just, yeah. you know, I imagine what that uh, must have been like on, on your network, um, you know, the tributes that you guys must have done because uh, the, this is a, a, an icon that has obviously gone way too soon. Yeah, and you know, for, for me, um, I was actually in Vancouver at the time when it happened. Uh, I was visiting family in Vancouver, so I didn't have access to uh, all, all the stuff we were doing down there. But um, I know for a fact, I think we went five and a half hours uh, live TV on Kobe. It was uh, Zubin Mahenti and, and Mike Leave. And couldn't think of two, two better people to do that. Zubin's incredible breaking news. So is Michael, and Michael has a connection to Kobe. He worked in the LA market for years, um, working with the Lakers and Clippers. So, um, you know, it was, I talked to Zubin about it after when I got back, so they, they went five and a half hours. And then, um, I think, uh, they switched anchors and they went another, I think four, four and a half hours. So they went about, they went almost about, I think 10 hours on Kobe that day, live coverage. And, um, you know, I think that's what we do so well here at ESPN, right? You know, we can, we can take a, a story like that, something where, um, you know, people are still in disbelief and kind of, give it some kind of context to his life. I mean, some of the people we had on that day, Spike Lee, you know, former players and, and so forth. Um, it, 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 it gives, again, context to what Kobe meant. And, and, and Dan Levitard actually, I think, said it best. He kind of he kind of said that Kobe's death reminded him of, like, this generation's John Lennon. Because he's mm. so iconic. He's global. He's passed the game. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, like, I, I think if he had passed away in a different way i guess it i think it'd still be just as tragic because he's what 41 years old with the imagery of the way it happened um you know with the other people on board the three kids including his i mean there's just so many elements to this which kind of makes you shake your head but i mean i talked to zubin and and just to give you a little bit of background like today you got to get it right first right and that's the biggest thing um to, to get the news right and and then at the same time, um, honor honor the guy, and, and you know they we had so many great elements that we've had over the years with Kobe Bryant because he's given us so many memories, right? Like show the '81 highlights, you can uh, show the tributes that we had for him on his last game, and and I still remember people would ask me, 
oh, do you remember about the 81? Where were you in, when it was 81? And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But, like, um, I, I kind of go back to the game you referenced, like the, the 60s, his last game, because mm-hmm. I was doing Sports Center that night. And I remember that. I think some people forget that's the night the Warriors were going for their 73rd win, right? Right. And I can't remember who the Warriors were playing that night, but I think it was like a, a team that, you know, you, they were expected to be. So that was, that was the story all season. Kobe was one of the stories, but that was, I think, the story, right? Uh, because nobody thought they would break 72 and 10 and Jordan's record, Jordan, you know, the Bulls record. Um, and I still remember after the first quarter and telling my producer, man, like, we should watch Kobe here. Like, you look at these, like, yeah, really going for yeah. it. He's not passing up anything. Eh, you know, like, I don't see, like, no, the lead's going to be the, the Warriors fine. Sure. Halftime, you're like, okay, put up as many points, man. Like, he's, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. And then when he got to the third quarter, when he started to get real serious, and then in that fourth, the lead changed. So imagine that, like, we led with Kobe Bryant that night over a 73-9 and nine win team, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. And I'm almost 100% sure ESPN would have done the same. They would have led with uh, Kobe Bryant. I, yeah, I wasn't there at the time, but I, I put a lot of money on ESPN leading with Kobe Bryant. So I, I understand um, why uh, and and I understand the magnitude of the tributes that are coming in. And I think they're going to continue to come in because people are still dealing with this and still coming to terms with the fact that he's, uh, you know, him, his daughter, and, and those other seven people are not with us. You know, um, it's not in the same uh, light when it comes to celebrity, but the tragedy is the same. When And I, and I, and I look back to what happened with the humble Broncos and, and the, yeah. I guess the, 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 I thought uh, TSN did such a masterful job of the entire coverage from, you know, Ryan Rashog being there for so long. And I've talked to Ryan about what that was like covering that tragedy, but uh, you know, the, on the scale of how it gripped the country, it's the same. It's not the same on as a, as a celebrity status or iconic status, but the way it gripped the country, it's, it's kind of similar. I'd imagine. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I was actually working sports center that night too, by yeah. chance. And uh, one of our uh, coordinating producers came over and said, "Hey, like we got word that this has happened, and there's like a lot of kids on board, and mm-hmm. and, and you know um, it doesn't sound like they've made it." So we waited, we waited. It was me and Kelsey Braid that day, and and uh, I think we went on for about an hour live, something like that, maybe an hour and a half live, um, before we switched it over. And um, I'm not gonna lie, I was I was super emotional, man. That was a tough one for me. Um, Again, having no connection to these kids, but, um, you know, having my own son, um, uh, just thinking about this stuff. And that's again, another thing with Kobe too, kind of relating it back to both of these stories that you're talking about, Humble and Kobe, like Kobe was taking his daughter to basketball right. practice. Yep. You know what I mean? So that could be any of us taking any of our kids to whatever sports or whatever activities that they do. Yeah. Maybe not in a chopper in, in a car, but car accidents happen every day, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, with these humble, the humble situation was just, I mean, tragic. And I remember just being on air and emotional, man. I couldn't, I couldn't hide it. I was, uh, definitely it was in my voice and, you know, a big lump in your throat and you're trying to, you know, be as professional as you can. But, um, yeah, Ryan, I, the job Ryan did. Oh my God. Uh, he was phenomenal. Our team was phenomenal. We sent a lot, I think we sent Frank Cervalli there too. And, and, mm. you know, uh, a bunch of people over time, but, um, that was a really difficult story to cover and kudos to everybody who, uh, you know, I think covered it the right way. Yeah. That night I was on the air nine to midnight and, uh, you know, information starts funneling in around seven 30 and you're like, Oh my goodness, this is, this is going to be one of those weird nights where you're trying to bring people the news that you don't have yet. So it was, right. It was, it was interesting. Um, okay. I want to go back to the all-star game and they used the, uh, the Elam ending in the fourth quarter, which, 
if people aren't sure of, because I think a lot of people were Googling what it was. It was designed by a, a college professor who was frustrated by the lack of excitement in the fourth quarter, from what I've read. Um, a predetermined score that the teams played to, and I think they, you know, tribute to Kobe Bryant yesterday. What kind of traction is this getting? Like, I'm, I'm actually read some articles where people are saying, should the NBA use this in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I, I don't think the NBA would go that radical. <laughs> no, um, I, I think that would change. That would change too many aspects of the game. Too, it would change a lot of, um, of the history of the game. You know, when you when you talk about finishes and and, and stats and everything, I think that would just be yeah. uh, a little bit too much. But but I think for the All Star game, you could throw that permanently in there. Like that was that was fantastic. And, and I think this year again was special because it's Kobe's night. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so I think the guys went extra hard. Uh, you know, brought that Mamba mentality. You want to throw that out there, and and uh, they did it for Kobe. But if they could continue to have All Star games like that, I mean, people are going to start tuning in again and really tuning in to to a game like that. Where I think All Star games right now are getting bad raps around you know around sports. Um, and for most people, Saturday night is probably the more exciting night for the NBA with the dunk contest and all that sort of stuff. But um, I liked it. At first, I was like, I, I don't know, man. I, I didn't know about going into it. And then when I, I saw the way the players were playing, I was like, you can sign me up for this every single year because uh, it was fun. I thought it was really good. Uh, but as far as implementing that in the game, I, I probably, wouldn't, I probably yeah. wouldn't be a fan of that. I don't think you can uh, mess with the history and records and, and all that. Um, the Toronto Raptors are champions. And um, yeah. I, you know, we know how they're viewed in Canada. Everybody, you know, 30 plus million people behind them last year. How are they viewed by American sports fans? Uh, you know, what's the what's your sense when you got to ESPN about the the Raptors' reputation? There, there's still a lot of people that say, yeah, but the Golden Warriors were hurt, and that's why they won. But you know, what's the Raptors' reputation like down in the in the United States? I, I think like when I got here um, and they were on that run, I don't think a lot of people were jumping on the bandwagon are they going to win the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I mean, how many people in Canada really thought they were going to win the championship? Let's be real. You're right. Like, I, I mean, we're starting to forget and our memory's starting to get a little fogged, I think, in Canada where it's like, I remember doing SportsCenter when Kawhi Leonard came to uh, the Raptors. And at that time, people were upset about DeMar DeRozan being traded, right? Because right? Yeah. they were so, they were, and I, I understand that. I totally understand that DeMar's an incredible guy. Uh, and he was incredible for the franchise. And there wasn't many people in this franchise's history that actually wanted to be a Raptor. And I mm-hmm. totally get it. But I remember even saying, like, and I might like tap myself on the back here, but I'm like, I remember like people are forgetting how good Kawhi Leonard. He never had a Kawhi Leonard in Toronto before, and he'd only played I think nine games a year before. And again, he's not a flashy guy. Uh, you know, he's not all over billboards and so forth. Like he's not LeBron James in that sense. But Kawhi Leonard's unbelievable. And then. Uh, and, then, and then the narrative changes, like, oh, if he can get us, you know, to the, to the conference finals, that would be what, whatever. He can leave then. He can leave after this conference finals. Then it kind of changed. Oh, he gets to the NBA finals. Man, we're, we're happy enough. And he can leave. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. It, it kind of it irks me a little bit that uh, people are like, oh, the states, they hate, they hate the Raptors. And, and I'm not defending. I just kind of, I've seen the narrative change so much because we, we got selfish, right? We saw how good right. Kawhi is. And we got selfish, right? As we should. As we should, and we should want to keep Kawhi for sure. I mean, I understand why people were hurt, but at the same time, he never also once uh, committed to the team. So, uh, as far as long term, right? Um, so when I did get there, 
Um, yeah, I, I think there were a lot of skeptics as far as how far they can go. Everyone knew they were a really, really good team. Uh, but as far as beating the Bucks, I don't think a lot of people picked them to beat the Bucks. And when they got the Warriors, I don't think even with the injury situation that was uh, kind of lingering around Golden State, I don't think a lot of people picked them. Um, but how many people picked them in Toronto? <laughs> how many people picked them? Seriously, how many people picked them in Canada? Like, yeah. um, if you're being realistic with yourself, right? So I didn't think they'd beat the Golden um, State Warriors. I didn't think they'd win it. Dude, I, and I don't think you're alone. <laughs> I was I was iffy. I, in my heart, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I want them to win. I kept saying it over there. I kept saying it over here. I should say, you know, it, it's cool because ESPN is like, hey man, if you're a Raptors fan, you can you can be a Raptors fan on TV. Like you know, you, you don't oh, have to hide it. And interesting. So, which is great. That's a massive change from Canada. I'll tell you that. And so, um, you know, I, I was able to say, hey, man, like you know, I, I think the Raptors are gonna 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 win. And, and but is that a smart decision? I don't know. I, that's just me being a Raptors fan, right? right. Um, but I think if people could go back and we look at, you know, some of the predictions and uh, it's hard to go back now because they're champions and everyone's going to say they, they thought, you know, the Raptors were going to win. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I, I think, yes, you're, you're correct with a lot of people didn't think that they were going to win. Um, they did win. And if Kevin Durant was even there, who knows? I mean, I still think they're going to win, to be honest. And, and if Clay doesn't get hurt. I still think they would have won. I think they were good enough. Um, but who knows? It's hard to tell, right? Uh-huh. But that, that, that doesn't mean there's like an asterisk around it. Like I was talking to Kevin Gandhi here, and, and he's a big Philly fan. And so we bet on that game seven uh, <laughs> with Philly and Toronto. And, uh, you know, we were talking about it after when the Raptors won. He's like, dude, enjoy this, man. He's like, enjoy this. Like, Don't let anyone ever tell you there's an asterisk around the Raptors championship. Because it's not. They beat who was in front of them. Uh, and they were the better team. And so... I think this year, I know uh, earlier in the year when ESPN didn't have uh, the Raptors in the top 10 rankings, I think, uh, I think it was like the top 10 poll mm-hmm. or something like that, uh, people went in and said, oh my God, my Twitter got just <laughs> as if I made the rankings myself. <laughs> um, they talked to your bosses, who do you work for, you trade? I'm like, what? Like, what? Yeah. Why does this bug you so much? And like, and the funny thing to me is like, yeah, I agree. It should. I agree they should have been in there 100%. Uh, at that time, they had a really good record too, like just like they do now. But uh, like, don't forget, just because Kawhi left, we're still the champs. Right. You know what I mean? Like, enjoy this year. We're still the champs until somebody beats the Raptors. We're still the champs, and the fact that they've been able to pull out what they've done, I think they're getting a lot more respect. I think there's been a couple uh, couple analysts that we've had recently who have said, "Listen, man, don't sleep on the Raptors. Don't sleep on the Raptors." And so they are getting more and more respected. They can continue to play the, the way they are before they were uh, during the break. I mean, they're not going to keep winning 15 in a row, but no. if they can continue to, to play well, you never know. You never know. They have that experience, which is something they didn't have before, right? So, um, you know, I'm not sleeping on them. You know, th- there, there shouldn't be an asterisk around this team. They didn't have Oscar the Grouch banging garbage can lids. They're not the Houston Astros who do deserve an asterisk. I mean, the, the Raptors beat the team that was in front of them. Totally, totally, absolutely, uh, and and it's just it's just one of those things where uh, I, I don't know, um, and I know they're not getting maybe the respect that they should uh, from other people who don't believe that they're the best team. They were the best team, you know, in the world at that time. Um, but at the end of the day, who cares? <laughs> they're the champs, man. They're the record book says they're the champs. They were the best team. Uh, they had the best player. Kawhi was unbelievable, yeah. and, and so. Uh, and it wasn't just Kawhi, right? Like Pascal, Pascal, 
in a way, a Kawhi leaving has allowed Pascal to, to blossom. Totally. And to look at the guy he is right now. I mean, he wouldn't be getting as many touches. Uh, he wouldn't be, who knows if he'd be an all-star. Yeah. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, at the trajectory he's going at, but, um, you know, he's been able to grow as a player too, getting more touches, being the guy. Uh, and that bodes well for the Raptors in the future too. Would I love to still have Kawhi? 100%. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, you look forward to, to, to what this team has done. Uh, and what Masai and Bobby Webster have done as far as bringing up a new guy, Terrence Davis. Like, come on, they just seem to find all these gems um, and, and bring them up. And, and I'm excited for the playoffs. I, I'd lo- and I think it's great that people are not putting pressure on them. Let yeah. them go out, let them do their thing, and let people doubt them again. Because they doubted them last year, look what happened. Yeah, there's. It seems to be Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston pulling away in the East, but... Do you see uh, a whole lot more teams in contention out West that can win? Or is that just, um, you know, the the Lakers or some of the other teams waiting for the playoffs to pull away? Yeah, I mean, I have a hard time believing anyone's going to beat the Lakers or Clippers. Like I, you know, the, the Nuggets are really good. Um, it all, I think it all depends on kind of health, right? Especially in the West. Um, and if, if the Lakers are healthy, if the Clippers are healthy, I can't see a situation where, you know, it's not one of those two teams, but, um, and I think the Clippers are interesting too, because they've had a lot of ups and downs, right? Like they've had, some, they've had a weird season in that they lose to teams that they should probably be. And I don't know those nights where, I mean, they, they got, I don't know if infighting, I don't know if that's the right word, but you know, guys have called each other out already, right? Mm-hmm. Montrez Harrell has come out and, uh, talked about some of his teammates. And I, I don't think, uh, you know, they appreciate the, the special treatment Paul George and Kawhi get, I guess. Um, but when you look at that roster, that's a roster built for the playoffs. Like they are deep. They are so deep. And so uh, I'm interested to see what uh, the Clippers are able to do and uh, what the Lakers are able to do just with LeBron and AD. And I know they're not as deep, but um, LeBron and AD, it's a pretty special one too. I think that's the best one too in the league. So um, I would have to go with one of those LA teams coming out of the West and East. Those people in Miami either. Miami okay, yeah. team in the East that could could make some noise, and and they got a solid squad there, which uh, that works hard and kind of has that Miami identity. Remember those Miami teams back in the day with Alonzo Mourning and yeah. Hardaway, and, and those. I think they got that Miami identity. Bam Adebayo was just a, f- a freak in the middle there. He's a phenomenal player. Uh, was just going to become a huge star, and Jimmy Butler, and you know they got some they got some players there. Where is Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers on the American sports popularity chart? Do you think? It's a good question. Like, um, I do uh, a show here on ESPN Plus called In the Crease. Um, and it's hard for me to kind of get a gauge of, of where he is. I would think he's one of the more popular players. And then I just saw a tweet from uh, NBC, the NHL on NBC. I think it was January 31st uh, of this year. And they had um, the top-selling juries uh, so far this year. And, and again, that's not a great indicator, but it's some kind of indicator, right? Of popularity, mm-hmm. I would think. Because uh, not everybody buys jerseys. But anyways, uh, Conor McDavid sat fourth on that list, which which I thought was shocking to me. Sidney uh, uh, Cosby's one, which is not shocking. Uh, Vlade Tarasenko is two, which was shocking. Weird. Uh, OV's three, not shocking. And then McDavid, four. Um, I mean, if, if you're the NHL, this guy has to be the face of your league. He is the LeBron of, of your league. Yeah. He's just, I don't know if you agree, but I think he's had, like head and shoulders better than everybody else. Um, yes. And so you, 
want him to be, or you'd want him to be the face of your league uh, in the States and you'd want him to be exposed as much as you can have him exposed, um, you know, in, in a market where you're trying to grow the game because I don't know, I tell my producer all the time, like if, within our circle of, in the crease, um, everyone loves hockey, so it's different, but um, you know, with, within even like around ESPN, there's not everybody who loves hockey. And I was just saying, man, listen, watch Connor McDavid play. You watch Connor McDavid play, you're going to fall in love with the game because this guy's, it's exciting. You don't have to love hockey to watch Connor McDavid. So I I don't know. I don't know where his level of popularity is and and where I don't think he's the biggest star in the game here. That's just my feeling just because I don't think I see him enough. I don't see him enough on those primetime games, to be honest. And, and that's the thing. I've said that for a long time. Right? When the preseason schedule or the the season schedule comes out, and you see, okay, how many times are these teams on uh, the game of the week for N- NBC or whatever it is? Um, this is the like the thing is, American fans probably will you know maybe the the casual fan might not know everything about Connor McDavid, but they've probably heard of the Oilers because of Wayne Gretzky, and now you have. Yep another generational best player in the game on the Oilers, it shouldn't be that hard of a sell for the network to to get this guy uh, on the air more. I agree. I, I hundred. It sounds so simple, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it sounds really simple. Like, let's expose this guy. Expose him out the right way. Let's, let's put him out there as much as possible so people can see the product with Connor McDavid on the end. And you have Leon Dreisaitl there too. So yeah. it's not like you just have McDavid and a bunch of scrubs or something like that. Like that's a good team. Uh, and you got uh, Leon Dreisaitl, one of the best players in the league right beside him, right? So um, I don't know why they don't have him more often. Like should he not be playing on every Wednesday night hockey? I don't think so or close to it. Um, I, I know buildings and arenas and all this sort of stuff, they have all these different um schedules and, and it's difficult i'm assuming it's incredibly hard to make an nhl schedule or any kind of sports league schedule but um at the same time um they got to figure they got to figure that out because if he's not like the the number one face uh, of hockey in the united states that's a problem that, that really, i know he's not i know he's not american um but at the same time he's by far the best player in the nhl i would think yeah, Le- LeBron James plays on Christmas. Uh, Connor McDavid should play in every outdoor game at least once a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I uh, want to ask. No, you, no, you're 100 percent right. Yeah, I, I'm glad we agree on that. And and uh, you can go and tell all the American sports fans that they should watch Connor McDavid <laughs> uh, a lot more. And, and hopefully it does because it's it, that's that's exactly what's going to help the great. You're right. He is the LeBron. Now uh, I want to ask you. You've worked on the same show spelled differently. Sports Center R E Sports Center right. E R. Biggest difference between anchoring Sports Center on TSN and Sports Center on ESPN. Uh, like the resources. Resources are much different. Um, I mean, ESPN is huge, uh, as far as like, just, uh, we work on a thing called the campus here. Uh, I believe it's like 4,500 employees, uh, oh. just here in, in Bristol. Yeah. And so, and just for like, it, it took me like the first three weeks I was here. Um, they're like, we're not going to put you on air. Uh, we're just going to let you learn about our resources and what is available to you. And, and I thought that was great because it really eased me in. You know, like we have multiple researchers per show. We have all, there's just so much support. There's so many different um, things that we have uh, at our hands um, that we can use to make our product better uh, and to also um, provide knowledge and insight uh, for the fans. So I think that's that was one of the big things of just realizing how many resources we have here 
um, the scale is different, right? It, it, really, it is. TSN is an amazing product. Uh, and I was so blessed to be there. And, and uh, you know, I met some of my, my colleagues that I was working with there. But at the same time, this is a brand new challenge. Uh, it really is. And um, uh, I'm, it's the best decision I've ever made in my life to come here. Uh, and I can't even believe it. I mean, I'm looking at May. May 1st will be one year here, mm-hmm. which is just blows my mind that I've been here this long. But it, it's been such a wild ride. But I guess, again, coming coming here from TSN, I think just the scope of everything here is just so much bigger. Well, you know, every time I travel uh, out of Canada, even, even going to like Mexico or the Dominican, you get ESPN. So I get really yeah. excited that I get to watch it because it is... <laughs> On a, on a different scale, it's what you hear about. I, I hope someday there's a commercial with you arguing about how to spell Sports Center. I think that would be hilarious because those ESPN commercials are legendary. That's right, you know, and they just they just shot a whole new set of them as I got here, and so uh, that's actually I'm, I'm going to pitch that actually. Yeah, I, I think that's really good because uh, you know what's funny is I think some people don't realize here is that we don't get the American version of Sports Center there, right? So um, we have our own sports center, which is what I was doing in which we have, you know, incredible talent doing over there. Um, but I think it's a, a lot of people are just under the impression that we get, you know, Scott Van Pelt over there and we got Stu Scott and all <laughs> yeah. the iconic names over the past, right? Well, we didn't get them. Like, we know who they are. That's right. But um, we didn't grow up with them. And so what was kind of funny was, you know, I've done a few other podcasts and I did one uh, this week in Atlanta and the, and the guy was just like, Hey man, like you must have been so nervous or something when you when you met Scott Van Pelt, you know, being such a legend. And I was like, I'll be honest, like <laughs> I've never seen a sportsman with Scott Van Pelt, um, <laughs> and I know I know of his status. I know he's iconic. Right. Um, I watch him while I'm here, and, and he's incredible. But like, it, it was almost a blessing in disguise, I think, um, that I haven't grown up with um, all, all these talents because, uh, in a way, you kind of just come in and you're a lot more comfortable. And you don't have to worry about Oh my God, today I'm working with so-and-so, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, it's just kind of, uh, it, it's interesting, but, uh, it, that, that, that fact, the fact that we don't get sports center, the American version over there, I think it's lost on a lot of people here. That's it's, it is so true. Um, okay. I want to go back to, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you didn't get into broadcasting right away. Did you go into criminology, uh, in the beginning of, at university? Yeah, yeah, I did. I was doing criminal. I was, I was at Simon Fraser University, and I was doing criminology. Get a minor in communication, which has nothing to do with broadcasting. It's just because I was lazy, and that seemed like an easy thing to do. Um, and I did that for about two and a half years. My sister was uh, going into criminal law, so I think she was. She had just joined. Uh, went to law school in Windsor, so I was kind of following her path, and it's kind of easy because she was, you know, setting me up with courses, and like I could get some of her old work, and you know, like so it was kind of. It's set up real nice, to be honest. Um, but I actually enjoyed it. Like, I actually found criminology really interesting. Uh, it was just, I, I would say, two and a half years in, roughly. I just, man, I felt empty. And I just, I was like, I really wanted to do the sports thing. And, you know, just kind of a background. You know, when I was in high school, I'd, I'd watch Sports Page, which is out in Vancouver. They don't no longer exist, but had a ton of talent that's, you know, around the country. And Don Taylor was my favorite uh, sports broadcaster. And, I used to be like, man, I could be that guy. Like, I'd love to be that guy. He, uh, he's having so much fun. And, um, you know, I kind of put that dream on the back burner once I left high school because it just seemed unrealistic mm-hmm. at the time. And, and, um, it was, it wasn't until the yeah, second, second year, roughly in the middle of second year where I was kind of like, okay, I gotta try, I gotta try this thing. So I didn't, I finished university, but what I did was I, 
started uh, calling different people in the industry, uh, doing these like informational interviews. Uh, and just, I mean, I just found, I just like tried to build a path basically of like, how, how, how can I get to where you guys are today? You know, I talked to people who are on network TV and Vancouver, Toronto and, you know, a couple other places in Canada and, um, and kind of built a path. And then I approached my parents about changing, you know, my, my, uh, career path, which didn't go over so well at first, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, no, I finished my degree, uh, at Simon Fraser, I actually finished with a major in communication and a minor in criminology and then kind of gave myself a five-year plan. And I said, if after five years, I'm not in a major market. Um, I'll go to law school because I had that degree behind me and I could do that. It's interesting. I had Darren Drager on this and he said, um, you know, he, he's from, he worked in my hometown, but I'm from Brandon, Manitoba and he was in Brandon and he said, I'm going to start taking the real estate courses because this broadcasting thing is, isn't going anywhere. And I think we all get to that point at some point in our careers. I remember being in Regina thinking, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And then I ended up in Edmonton and I got really happy. And obviously Dregs is where he is and you are where you are. Did you, did you have a, a thing in your wallet that, that, that reminded you about that? Did I read that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. So I, so that five-year plan I gave myself, I, I wrote it down and it was like five different goals. And the fifth, I can't remember what the first four were to be honest anymore, but like the, the fifth one was that uh, being in a major market by the time I was, you know, five years, five years mm-hmm. done. And it was Vancouver, for me, major market was Vancouver, Toronto. Sure. And so um, I used to keep that in my wallet, which sounds super corny, right? Especially for like young people today, which like they would never do that, right? Um, and there were times like I had times like what, you know, you and, and Drex are talking about where, I was working in Prince George, my first job and, you know, you work your ass off and it was a great experience, but there were days where, yep. you know, you felt, yeah, you were down on yourself, right? There were really tough days because you're learning on the job. Um, there's a lot of demand in, in your first job because you're doing multiple things. Now, then I went to Winnipeg and I got this job and, and it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. And I wasn't getting the reps that I needed. And I was down on myself, man. I was just like, I don't know if I can do this, but then at the same time, I kind of look at that paper and, you know, it was my motivation to like continue to go because um, I'd sacrificed a lot at that point too, right? Like you, you move away from your family, you move away from your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, I had gone to broadcast school after university. So look, it's a time. Like, and so I continued, I think networking was the biggest thing for me, honestly. Just I kept continued to send out my demo tapes all the time. I used to go in um, when I was working at Global Fox kind of in, in, in Winnipeg. I used to go in after... Um, the show was done, I think at midnight there, there 11 was done at midnight going when nobody was around. And I used to go cut new demo tapes all the time. I used to do it three or four times a month. Uh, because at that time you couldn't use your Mac or whatever. You would have to cut right. like those beta tapes. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. VHS uh, beta. You don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. like a clunky machine. Yeah. yeah. It's like this clunky machine where you have to use their machine to cut it. And I'd sit there for like two hours cutting the demo tape and I would just cut it. Um, and then I would send it to, uh, different news directors around, uh, the country and not ask them for a job, but just basically say, Hey, listen, I'm so-and-so I work here. Can I get some feedback on my mm-hmm. work? And, um, you know, it, it worked out cause I think every job I've gotten so far, um, has been through networking. It's never really been through an ad or like a job listing. It's always kind of been through networking. Um, and the first two were through job listings, but I networked to, to kind of get those jobs. Um, so they kind of knew me ahead of time. Uh, but for the last two, just like I've been networking and talking to people. And I think that's a really important thing for people coming up in the industry and I guess in any industry really, right? Like mm-hmm. networking is really important and, and doing it the right way and not always being the one asking for something, you know, keeping in touch with people, but not always 
asking them for something. Um, I think it's an important balance of relationship when you can do that. Yeah, you're not always looking like uh, you're you're reaching out for something or you want a favor. And it, it is a good exactly. lesson. It's it's a great lesson in how to communicate and persistence as well. Um, hey, man, this has been so much fun. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I, I hope someday we are able to watch ESPN a little bit more because I'd love to watch <laughs> you uh, a little bit more. But uh, congratulations on everything that you have going uh, with uh, career and family. Uh, other than the cold, I hope you feel better. Thanks so much, Nabil. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Let's do it again sometime down the line. the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. Got nothing to drink. How do you smile? No longer a child. That's the sweet sounds of I Got Time from Sweet Bejesus, uh, the official band of sports and more the podcast you can get their uh, debut album policeman's creek at apple music and big thanks to nabil kareem i can't wait to get him back uh, we might have to do an nba playoff preview with him or something like that that was an awesome conversation so i really appreciate his time and uh, i want to uh, reward you for listening as well uh, because we have the acme meat market trivia question uh right now $25 gift card up for Matt, uh, for grabs from Acme Meat Markets, 9570 76th Avenue in Edmonton. You can check out their website, acmemeatmarket.ca. Question is, where did Nabil Kareem start his broadcasting career? Hit me up on Twitter, at DuckMillard. Uh, you can also uh, get in touch with us uh, several other ways. You could email me, sportsandmorepod at gmail.com, sportsandmore35 on Facebook, Instagram, sportsandmorepodcast, or you can get me at DuckMillard on Twitter, and uh, you can get yourself a gift card from Acme Meat Market. Just tell me where did Nabil Kareem's broadcasting career start and where was his first job. And finally, uh, let's wrap things up with the ultimate franchise fantasy sports poll question uh it is uh you know basically the myron french question of the day which we might have to bring back the uh, myron french intro as the uh question of the day but uh, the question is uh connor mcdavid has decided to retire the nhl has put all players in a draft you have the first overall pick who of these four players is your first choice if your choice is not listed who would it be so you've got nathan mckinnon leon dreisaitl austin matthews david pasternak Dreisaitl leading the way with 50%, 232 votes so far. 50% Dreisaitl, 45% Nathan McKinnon. Austin Matthews has 1% of the vote. David Pasternak has 4% of the vote. You could vote at Duck Millard on Twitter. And uh, Jeremy McCain at uh, Jaricel says, I'm an Oilers fan and I still voted McKinnon. He is incredible. Maybe they was, this will piss off Dreisaitl enough to get us the cup. Um, 
this is ridiculous. Nathan McKinnon, Leon can't play without McDavid, uh, which is being proven right now that that theory can be crumpled up, lit on fire, and uh, thrown in a lake. Ultimate Franchise replies, he seems to be doing okay the last four games. Actually, since he has been playing with Nugent Yamamoto, he can play with without McDavid. He has proven that. If, if you watch the game, everybody knows that he can play without McDavid. Uh, this one says, this is from The Real Popcan. I picked Leon now. I'm a little upset that Pasternak didn't get any love. And Steve Brandley, uh, S. Brandley says, dry sidle, but could also easily be McKinnon, a center who can dominate in both ends is the biggest asset a team can have. And then that's dry sidle too. He's going to get better and he's big, strong. I'm going with dry sidle, maybe just because I've watched him. Uh, but I, I, I look at Leon dry sidle at times and I'm like, man, this guy can just bowl you over with his strength or he can make uh, some of the most deft passes that are out there, backhand, forehand, wherever. So he can be a bull in a china shop and he can be uh, as delicate as, uh, you know, the so most soft-handed guys that are out there. So have your say on the ultimate franchise fantasy sports poll question at Doc Millard on, Doc Millard on Twitter and get more details at www.uffsports.com. That's going to wrap things up for us. Uh, please. Hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please subscribe. Uh, let us know what you think of the show by leaving us a review. It's really important and uh, helps us plan future shows. And if you'd like to be a part of the program as an advertiser, we're always looking for uh, creative ways uh, to give people uh, some promotion. Check it out and uh, hit me up in, on the email, rather, at sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. That's going to uh, wrap things up from uh, Podcast Alley uh, just outside of Edmonton. Thanks very much to Nabil Kareem of ESPN. One-timers with Nabil Kareem will come out uh, later on this week. Thanks so much to Nabil Kareem. As mentioned, have yourself a great week in sports, everybody. Enjoy whatever you watch. And remember, playtime is over.